Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Decades ago, I started growing food in my front and backyard, and I realized that my mission in life is to inspire and empower others to grow their own nutrient-dense, healthy, organic food. Because of this, a lot of people have come to me with their gardening questions over the years, and that got me thinking, what if we put together a community that would help budding gardeners blossom? So I finally made the idea a reality with my Urban Farm U member program. Each month, your membership includes three live online events, a monthly class, a chit-chat with an expert, and a monthly coaching session, plus access to the experts on our member page and a significant discount on our signature courses. I'm deeply committed to transforming our global food system, and I do this by empowering you to grow your own food. The Urban Farm Membership Program is a simple way to get going. Please join me in transforming your food system today. To learn more, go to urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. That's urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food Revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Laura Plum to talk about her experience with whole food plant-based cooking and nutrition. Laura is a master teacher in numerous fields of the ancient science of life that arises from the Vedas and brings us yoga and Ayurveda, a time-tested, evidence-based pathway to healing, wholeness, and higher self-actualization. Working for years in the fields of health and human potential, Laura is a Vedic healer, Ayurvedic consultant, yoga teacher, life coach, and well-followed blogger on Ayurvedic nutrition. She has studied the world over with some of the greatest luminaries of our time, practicing and sharing what she has learned from ancient, proven wisdom for modern, exciting times. Laura offers classes and consultation in Ayurveda, yoga therapy, whole food cooking and nutrition, and life coaching. Welcome to the show today, Laura. Thank you. 
Absolutely. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Sure, of course. Let me first just really thank you. I am so impressed with the work that you are doing in the world. And I wanted to just say that because I think it's so important now more Mm -hmm. than ever that all of us remember that we are an integral part of nature. Oh, yes. And I think that we, you know, we see so much division and anger, hatred in the world now, sadly. Yeah. And I think one of the best responses to that is to get out (laughs) into nature Mm -hmm. and either, you know, walk through a forest or get your hands dirty in a garden, grow your own food. Remembering nature helps us not only restore our own sense of balance, but it helps us to remember that we belong. Uh You know, we belong to this world and we belong to this earth and we belong to this family of humanity. And we really are one. And it's so important that we remember that now. And when I look at what you're doing and your work, I just feel like while you might call it this or that, you know, urban farming or sustainability, it's always about remembering who we are and remembering that we belong to one another. Uh So, you know, if if I would fill in the blanks on on what you just said about my my background, it's really that, you know, my purpose is to help people remember not only the truth of who we are, the essence of who we are, but the essence of this world that we live in. Uh-huh. You know, everywhere around uh-huh. us we are surrounded by beauty. We're surrounded by nourishment. We're surrounded by inspiration. We're surrounded by heroic stories and actions. It's a beautiful world, and again, we belong to that. You know, if, we, if you consider, let's even just say evolution, yeah. um, and sorry, sorry to get heady on you here, but it's kind of fun to think about, just uh-huh. to think about, you know, where we came from and the fact that before us was this just a world full of trees and plants, and, and before that, what, what was there? So in the beginning, there's just movement, you know, and then that movement causes friction, and that friction causes fire, Uh Right. And that fire causes a star and the star makes all the elements in the periodic tables. And those elements then finally explode when the star blows up and they get sent out around the world. They've come together and they form ultimately, ultimately planets Uh and ultimately a planet just like ours gets formed. And at that point, the atmosphere couldn't support human life. But thanks to evolution, thanks to algae and thanks to ultimately things coming up out of water and growing on the land things like you know just small little plants but ultimately coming trees and forests ultimately fish walking up out of the waters themselves becoming Mm -hmm. animals right ultimately that all evolves first before it can even support humans and if you think about it therefore we are alive in a world that is always seeking to support us And that is the concept of Ayurveda that I love most teaching. Oh, yes. That's what I do. You're alive in a world on purpose to know the truth of who you are and that you are in a world that is here to support you and nourish you and inspire you. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, you know, we all belong to not just nature, but to this world that is evolving through us and with us. So, you know, back to you. I really, I salute you for the work that you're doing and for helping to educate and inspire us mm-hmm. in that way. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I'm blushing over here. So, <laughs> Thank you. So what is Ayurveda? Ayurveda, in the simplest way to describe it, is the oldest and most comprehensive form of medicine. 
Mm. Ayu means life and Veda means knowledge or wisdom or science. So it's the knowledge of life. It's the science of longevity. It's uh, the wisdom to live optimally well. And it really is a beautiful science because every time I teach it, I find people sitting in their chairs doing what I call a full body nod. You know, they're rocking forward and back in their chairs as if to say yes with their whole body. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, right? Yes, I've been there. <laughs> You've been there. It's yeah. like it's like you're remembering something that you already knew, but uh -huh. you didn't really know you knew it. Mm -hmm. And that's because it's really a wisdom that is already within us. But we just bring it out and show it. You know, we just say, you know, your body knows how to heal itself. Your skin knows how to recover from a cut. Uh -huh. Your bones know how to knit, knit back together after a break. Mm -hmm. If you get sick and you have bacteria attacking you, your body knows how to fight that for the most part. Ayurveda is, is really, it's really a system with profound and numerous tools to help stimulate the natural intelligence within any living organism. Oh, beautiful. Right. So it's not that Ayurveda is the healer. It's not that anybody's doctor is the healer, right? It isn't even that the herbs or the medicines we take uh -huh. are the healers. You are your own healer. Mm -hmm. But sometimes the healing system or the healing intelligence needs a little help. It needs a little prodding. And Ayurveda is that. We take individuals where they are mm -hmm. and meet them where they are and treat them as individuals. And by that I mean... Ayurveda does not treat diseases. Ayurveda treats individual human beings. Mm. And what that means is somebody comes in with diabetes, we don't have a formula for treating diabetes. We say, you know, what's your name? What's your age? What's your constitution? What's uh -huh. your lifestyle? What's your diet? What's your stress levels, etc. And And then we work with that person to reverse the progress of disease. Oh. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, and there, it is. And the reason that, you know, you, you've been on my radar for a while. We've known each other for, what, 10 or 12 years, something like that. Mm -hmm. And a, mm -hmm. maybe, what, five or six years ago, you started a, a blog called Food, a Love Story, and you've, you know, pretty regularly put out content. And so, my fascination with what you're up to uh, in, in the Ayurveda is the connection to food. Right. Can you speak right. to that? I can. And I, and again, Again, I thank you for your inspiration because one of the things that I did also five or six years ago is I finally put in my own food garden. Yay! And, right? <laughs> so, and, you know, I think what I love about the work that you do is that I think you make it accessible. Uh -huh. um, for any of us who, you know, my grandmother grew up on a farm yeah. and yet I I grew up a long way from a farm. And so, you know, there's there's that that sort of lyrical memory within that calls you back to the land and yet one feels intimidated I think so to to plant seeds and grow herbs or to plant lettuce and actually see it grow is one of the most rewarding and mm -hmm. even exciting things ever oh I'm, I'm on board with that, that yeah right well of yeah. course you are <laughs> and and of course it's amazing because you really think well I can't do that <laughs> but any, it's just the same as Ayurveda. Any mm -hmm. living organism has its own intelligence, and all you really have to do is give it what it 
its basic needs. Mm. So I started writing the food blog in a way to celebrate Mother Earth's bounty. Mm. So it really isn't just about getting into the kitchen. It isn't just about food recipes. It's really about the fact that everywhere around us is Mother Earth seeking to support us. And that's why I call it Food A Love Story. Because I think of food as a gift of Mother Earth Mm -hmm. that nourishes and strengthens us and heals us when we need healing. And to me, that's an expression of love. You know, it's like if if we're going to call her Mother Earth, if we're going to call it Mother Nature, right, then the properties of of Mother, the Mm -hmm. all-loving Mother, come through her gifts of food and the medicines that we get from her herbs and spices. So in many ways, the blog is really a celebration of that, of what grows in the earth, what we can grow ourselves, what Mm -hmm. our neighbors are growing or our local farmers are growing, and then what to do with it and how to celebrate it in our kitchens, in our homes, with our friends, Um, how to make simple meals, but meals that are seasonal, Uh meals that are um, combine Ayurvedically all six tastes, and, you know, meals that while we're preparing them, again, help restore that sense that we belong to nature, right? Yeah. That we belong to something bigger than ourselves. And that, you know, th- that there's beauty and beauty is there for us and all around us. So say more, you said six tastes of food. What was that? I, I... Right. So I heard about that. So the- the core concept in nutrition, according to Ayurveda, mm-hmm. is that there are six tastes in food. And what we mean is that, you know, the human tongue uh-huh. detects six different tastes. And those six tastes are, are sweet, salty, mm-hmm. sour, pungent, astringent, and bitter. Oh, all right. Makes sense. So, Right. Sweet, salty, sour, pungent, astringent, bitter. And that there are only those six tastes. And those six tastes relate to things in your body. Mm -hmm. So uh, just backing up a second, Mm -hmm. Ayurveda originally saw that there are five elements constituting all of nature. And those five elements are space, air, fire, water, earth. Okay. So space, air, fire, water, earth, it's not like not unlike people think of the four elements, right. Chinese medicine, the Greek humors. <clears throat> but we have we see space as being its own element. So exactly. there's space. Air right. Air moves through space. There's they're not the same thing. Right? And that the one then leads to the next. From space we have air. From air we have fire, right? The way I was talking before. In space oh, you have right. that movement that Movement causes friction, creates a star, mm-hmm. etc. That star produces the periodic table. From that, we have hydrogen, oxygen that creates water, and from that, we have earth and planets. And those those five elements are not only everywhere in nature, but as I like to remind people, we are nature. You know, oh right, I don't, exactly, right. We don't think we're cars, and we don't think we're our computers, but do we really remember that we are nature? <laughs> right. Right. If you think about it. Yeah. So one of the most beautiful things about urban farming or any kind of farming or gardening is that you get to be reminded of who you are, mm. right? You get to see these principles at play and it tells us so much about ourselves. And so when we watch these five elements and how they move and, and look at their qualities, we can come to know a lot about ourselves. You know, we all have space within us. All right. Air is everything that moves within us. So air is not just our breath. 
But everything that moves, including synaptic patterns, uh-huh. our nervous system, the way we think, it's our the digestive process, it's the circulatory system. Obviously, fire is our digestive fire, but it's all the metabolic functions within the whole body. Mm-hmm. And of course, it even relates to the mind and its capacity to digest ideas, information that comes in. The water element is obvious. We are made up of 70 to 80% of water. Right. But at the same time, we think of water as relating to our reproductive organs and system, our urinary tract, etc. And then finally, the earth is, is matter. So that's the bones and the skin and the things that we, you know, that we can touch and, and pinch. Right, exactly. <laughs> right? So what happens is those, those elements are basically fed by the six tastes. Oh, so, so there's a connection, of course. There's a really important connection, and this is what this is where it becomes medicine. There, the sweet taste is a combination of earth and water, and so foods that are sweet are not like processed sugar. We're not talking about that. We're talking about foods that have a natural sweetness. By that we mean things like root vegetables. Mm-hmm. You know, if you make a carrot juice, for instance, you know how sweet that is. Oh yeah. If you cook. Right? If you cook or roast carrots, you know how sweet they can be. Oh, yeah. Same thing with a sweet potato or beets. So root vegetables, grains, nuts, uh, dairy, meats are generally considered sweet. Mm-hmm. So those are, those are your sweets. And that's the bulk of what we, we normally eat. And that'll right. feed the earth and water element within you. And so that feeds and strengthens you. And that's why kids like those kinds of foods. They like peanut butter and jelly. They like Mm, rice. They like macaroni and cheese because they're growing and they need a lot of that earth and water element. Uh Uh-huh. Right? So then we go to salty is obviously going to be some water, but it's also a little bit of fire. And what salt does is it helps bring water to your tongue so that you can taste your food. Oh, right. Right? And that begins the process of digestion. That's that fire element there. Mm -hmm. And then sour is also fire. Ferment, sour is fermented foods, mm-hmm. and so it's vinegars, it's yogurts, it's kombucha, it's kimchi, oh, it's right. it's all of that. Yeah, right. It's, it's even citruses like lemons, oranges, grapefruits, and that's sour and earth. I mean, excuse me, that's the element of fire and earth. Mm-hmm. And again, good for digestion. We all know that yogurt and probiotics and those sort of things are good for digestion. That's what we call the sour, apple cider vinegar, mm-hmm. and that's because it's got that strong element of fire in it. And so that boosts your digestive system, your digestive fire. Right. Pungent is all of our spices from the garlics, onions to basils, Mm. dill, mint, all the lovely things we like to grow in our summer gardens, right? And all of that too is it's fire and it's air. So again, it's going to help with digestion. And it's also going to bring out some of the flavors in your food. Mm -hmm. Then Then you have astringent. Astringent is a combination of air and earth. Astringent foods... By the combination of air, which is circulation, and earth, which has some density to it, it astringent foods are like little scrubbers that go inside your body and help clean. Oh, and so astringent foods are, right, it's leaves. It's tea, for instance. If you ever leave your, your black tea bag, for instance, in the hot water too long, uh-huh. and you get that kind of dry taste in your mouth from sipping your tea, oh, that's yeah. what we mean by astringent. Yeah. Or if you ever bite into a little bit of a uh, banana peel, that's astringent. Oh. Right? 
So that's what we mean by astringent. It's drying. But things that are astringent are all of our leaves. So lettuce is astringent mm-hmm. and kale and dandelion and, and th- those sorts of things. That's why they're so good for cleansing the body. And then finally we have bitter. And again, deep, dark, beautiful leafy greens are bitter. Oh, yes, Aloe is bitter. Right. Turmeric is bitter as well as astringent. So the, the, the medicinals are generally bitter. And that's because bitter is air and space. And so it helps to lighten, it helps to release, it helps to detoxify. So I hear a lot of mothers, for instance, just to give an example of these six tastes and how they work. Right. A lot of moms say, I just can't get my child to eat those dark leafy greens. <laughs> and I want to say, you know, bitters lighten people up, right? It's great if you're unwell or if you really need to lose weight, perhaps. But bitters, by, by they, they detoxify, you know, they they release. Mm-hmm. Kids are growing. Kids need to build and strengthen. So children need the sweet, which is at the opposite end of that spectrum, right? Right. So we need to not worry so much about our kids wanting the rice and the mac cheese. And, you know, you can put some peas in there and some of those sweeter, those root vegetables and things mm-hmm. like that and grow them into the more astringent and bitter foods as they go on. It's grown-ups who need the astringent and the bitter. Got it. Right, because we're already yeah. grown and we don't have as much of that, that, that dense mass. So the stuff toward the beginning of this is really grow juice for the kids. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. And anybody who's weak, tired, mm-hmm. debilitated, recovering from an illness, we would want to concentrate on the sweet foods. But of course, sweet tends to be earth and water are cold and heavy. Right. And so we need something to help with digestion if somebody is feeling weak. And that's where we play with things like the ferments, the ferments, maybe apple cider vinegar or right. uh, the pungents. I actually have come to like apple cider vinegar. I drink it. <laughs> not at well, first. I, yeah, not at first I didn't, but now I like it. I... I'm like you. I don't care for it too much. Again, so this is where we go back to the medicine of it. Uh The five elements of space, air, fire, water, earth combine to give three primary constitutions. Oh, right. Okay. So the the word for nature in Ayurveda is prakriti. So your inherent nature, the nature that you were born with, Mm -hmm. we call that your, your prakriti. And there's three primary ones, which are called vata, pitta, Kapha, I'm sure you know those. Yes, I do. Right? And they are made up of the five elements. So while we are all of us, we are all five elements, we tend to have more of one or the other. Right. So if you're a person with a bit more air or space, that makes you a vata. If you have a bit more fire, that's pitta. Pitta is fire with a bit of water. Mm -hmm. Or if you're water with earth, that makes you kapha. So just by hearing those elements, you can imagine what a vata is, right? They're going to be light. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're going to be probably thin. They're going to be mobile. They move beautifully. They move like willow trees. Oh, right. Right? And, right. and so there's a lightness to them, whereas the pitta person is it's fire. And so there's going to be perhaps some intensity to them. <laughs> They're focused, right? right? But they're focused. They have clarity because l- fire gives us light, light gives us the capacity to see they can see not only 
clearly, but they can see where they're going. So they tend to be targeted, mm. goal-oriented, right? Focused. And they tend to be brave and bold. They make good leaders. They're usually success-oriented. Um, and then we have the kapha, who is water and earth, which means they're stable, they're grounded, they have good structure, good mass. Physically, we say they have longevity and good immune system. Mm. And they generally are just really lovely, nurturing, kind, caring people. They all have their benefits. Vata is creative, inspiring, innovative, inventive. Mm -hmm. they, they're, they're thinkers. They, they tend to love the world of ideas. They love to dance and they, they love to learn about new things. They keep life lively. <laughs> right. You know, but without our pittas, we wouldn't get much done. So pitta has its value. Pitta creates that focus that we need. Pitta, you know, they're the leaders, they're the CEOs, they're the ones driving us forward, reminding us of where we want to get. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, as I said, the kuffas have their, their great qualities. They're the ones who are the social workers, the teachers, the nurses. They all have their qualities. But when they go out of balance, that's when Ayurveda medicine needs to step in. Right. And when vata goes out of balance physically, it's restlessness, insomnia, headaches, even brain or nervous, or nervous system disorders. Mm hmm pain in the body, pain in the joints, arthritis. When pitta goes out of balance, it's all kinds of inflammatory diseases, including hypertension and heart disease. And then when kapha goes out of balance, it's usually weight-related. It can be diabetes, it can be obesity, it could be even some of the cancers. And so obviously, those are none of those are things we, any of us want. Right. Um, but, but the way Ayurveda looks at it is instead of giving somebody some pills or instead, as I said, of just treating the disease, we'll look at the kapha imbalance and we'll try to bring the person back into balance. So we'll try to reduce the kapha, right? We'll mm -hmm. try to reduce the excess water, earth in the body. And that means we'll be giving them pungents, astringents, and bitters, oh, whether it's food or herbs right. or a combination of both. Right. Fascinating. So there's a whole lot to this. There's a whole lot to it. It's, it's very simple. It's based on the simple idea of these five elements mm -hmm. combining to make three different, you know, doshas are basically the imbalances, right. but the vata, pitta, kapha. And that seems so simple. But again, when you think about a science that addresses each individual, you're talking about six plus billion people on the planet. Right. Maybe it's more now. Yeah. <laughs> and and that means we've got six billion different responses to anybody's imbalance. Mm -hmm. So it it's complex. It's as complex as the world is. It's as complex as nature is. And yet the pathway is through this very simple, even intuitive formula. Understand the five elements and you understand Ayurveda. That was a powerful statement because it's a simple statement. Well, I was just going to say all of you urban farmers would probably, you know, again, be sitting in your chair rocking back and forth. Like, yes, of course, you know this because you see it at play. Yeah. You see it in nature, yeah. right? You can, you probably, I hope people even imagine as I talk about the different constitutions of vata, pitta, kapha, you can think of a vata as a, maybe like, a, you know, just a little light bird. I, I sometimes think of the hummingbird. Right. Anybody who knows the hummingbird up close, it may have a bit more pitta to it. But but that that the butterfly, right? That's mm -hmm. very vata. And then pitta, the eagle is a pitta. It looks like a pitta. It's got those eyes and that nose. It's yeah. sharp. And then 
those big birds, you know, that, that sit by the water. They're very kuffa birds. I'm thinking of, um, what's that big bird? The sea- seagulls or... Um, I'll think of it. Pelicans, thank yeah, you. Yeah. Right, beautiful pelicans. Yeah. Very kaffa. You can think of animals that way. You can think of your pet that way. Mm-hmm. You can think of trees that way. The pine tree is, of course, a pitta tree. I mentioned willow is vata. All right, wispy, um, of course. Right, everything in nature. And and as I said, it's so beautiful to do what you're doing. It's so beautiful for all of us to get our hands in the, in the dirt yeah. because we learn. And when we learn about nature and we learn and watch things grow... We learn about ourselves. Yeah. So you talk a whole lot about this on your blog, foodalovestory.com. Right. Yeah. Tell Thank us a little, you. Tell us about your blog, would you? Well, I started my blog originally to be a resource for the book that I was working on at the time, mm-hmm. which is still still to be published. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> I have one of those. Completed that. Yeah, I haven't completed that book yet. The blog ended up taking on a life of its own because uh, first, for because I loved writing. I found that I really enjoyed the blog process. Maybe you find this with the podcast. I love the conversation that oh, develops. Yeah, right. It's I love social media for that. I love the way it develops communities. Beginning when I was creating my blog, I wanted to share Ayurveda and this simple, elegant, magical, marvelous, extraordinary science uh-huh. because I just think it's so easy for people to grasp those basic concepts and it's such a great concept by which to think about grocery shopping or farming uh, and cooking uh-huh. but I wanted it to be really simple for people I wanted people mm. to be able to you know do what I call one pot cooking you know in other words right. whether you cooking for yourself or you're cooking for a lot of people or you're cooking for a family and everybody is different and they have different needs and desires I still wanted people to be able to get it quickly mm-hmm. and so the blog you know it's not really it's not a place to come it is a place to come to learn about Ayurveda sometimes I look at my blog and as, as more and more people are learning about Ayurveda I am more and more bringing the concepts forward and bringing in more of the advanced concepts but at the same time, I still want it to be a place where people can come, even if they don't want to invest in the time it takes to learn more about Ayurveda. Exactly. Even if all they, yeah, right. Even if all they've got is ten minutes to quickly pull together something to eat, pull up my blog, get the recipe. But so the way I organized it was instead of talking about the five elements and the three different prakriti right or, or doshas, the yep. vata, pitta, kapha. Yep. In, instead, I talked about seasons. Because the seasons relate mm. as well. Of course they do. In other, right? So right now we are, at least you and I, are in summer. Right. And so obviously summer is pitta. Pitta is fire with a bit of water. Uh, autumn is our vata season. So things get drier, things mm. get windier, yep. right? The leaves are blowing, so everything's moving. And then winter, especially if you're living in northern climates where it snows, winter is vata moving into kapha. And that's the air element moving more into the water element. Spring, of course, is going to be water element. It rains more. Where I live, it's foggy, oh, heavy yes. clouds, right? Yep. Um, you know, we've got the snow melts, etc. So when it's so beautiful, when you think about what to eat for dinner tonight, let's say, or what to have for lunch, think about the season. And this is why, this is another reason why we say eat seasonally. 
or eat local. Oh, right. Eat what's in season. I tell people that all the time. Right. And so, you know, as I was saying, it's another reason to eat local because when you eat local, you're eating seasonally, right? Because you're eating what the farmer in your local area is growing right now and they are only going to be growing what the season will support. And what's so beautiful, what's so elegant about Mother Nature Mm -hmm. is that she's always offering us the foods that will balance her climate. Oh, of course. Right? So, yeah. yeah, it's such a beautiful thing. So in summertime, when it's hot, we're getting really cooling foods. Mm-hmm. Cucumber is the ideal. Yeah. But we get m- oh, yeah. Mel- Watermelons. Melons, yeah. Right? Melons, watermelons, all kinds of melons and strawberries, all kinds of berries, peaches, beautiful fruits, lots of lettuces. The lettuce in the summer is much of a, is a little bit more of a sweet lettuce you might notice right exactly it's right you get butter lettuces whereas in the spring we had the lettuces that were more the bitter Bitter, or astringent or pungent because spring is a water season and we need more of that pungent astringent bitter Mm -hmm. in the summer we still need some of the astringents and the bitters that help to cool us but we don't want pungent remember pungent is made up of fire right so we want we want the astringent and the bitters that are the lettuces but we also want sweet. So if, if you go back to those six tastes, sweet, earthen water is cooling. Salt had some fire in it. Sour has fire in it. Pungent has fire in it. So in the summer, we don't want those foods as much. And you may notice if you just pay attention to what your body is wanting for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. In the summer, we tend to want foods that are a little bit more bland and a lot more refreshing. Yeah. So they're foods with high water content, high mineral content. Mm-hmm. Right, foods that are juicy, but foods like rice or buckwheat noodles, or as I said, the lettuces, the greens, etc., the cucumbers, uh, summer squashes. If you think about those foods, they have the combination of sweet, astringent, and bitter. Those are the three tastes that are cooling. Mm-hmm. If you start to come into autumn now, you're going to be looking at foods that have to be cooked. Your grains. It's it's harvest season right we've put things in our pantry we've fermented our foods for for the later autumn or winter and all of those are the foods that we want now in the autumn we want the sweet again so we want the root vegetables the grains we want now we want the sours we want the fermented foods we want the kimchi we want the yogurts we want the foods that we've stored basically right and they and then if they're stored like grains, they need to be cooked. If they're stored as ferments, right, they've got that fire from the sour. We've got foods that we've salted and cured. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. When you think about these northern countries or you think about these winter foods, those are the foods that balance vata. So that's sweet, sour, and salty. And those are the foods that we naturally eat. We, again, you think about what did our grandparents eat or our great-grandparents right. eat. Right. It's Ayurveda. You know, it's eating naturally. Then you come now to spring, and spring when the, the snows are melting and the rivers are swelling and there's more water in the atmosphere. That's a time when we want to release the stagnation of winter and we want to lighten up and get things moving. And nature is providing us things like watercress, which is pungent, astringent, and bitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, all kinds of greens along those natures, along that nature that are perfect. We get a lot of our, our, our spring onions, right? Our garlic. Oh, yes, of course. Right. Even spinach, even just, you know, the kales, the pure bitter foods. So nature provides that which will bring us back into balance. And what I say to people is 
either you can just eat seasonally, then you don't have to think about Ayurveda, just eat seasonally. Mm -hmm. But if you feel out of balance, think about in what way are you out of balance, right? If you are a summer person who tends to go out of balance by overheating, then think about adding more cooling foods into your diet on a regular basis. Let me say it again. If you're an autumn person who's always on the move, uh-huh. right? Like like the movement of the of the leaves and the branches, right? And if and you'll notice too if you have dry lips or dry skin, those are signs of vata. Then you want to be thinking about root vegetables, foods that are gently cooked, lightly spiced, foods that are warming, foods that are grounding, right? Yeah. But if you're more of a if you're more of a spring person, somebody who tends towards maybe you're a little bit more slow moving, maybe mm-hmm. you tend to sluggishness, right? Oh, maybe yeah. you tend heaviness or low mot- metabolism, then you want to think spring. So think about foods that really get you fired up, foods that have strong spice to them, oh, yes. foods that are warming, right? Uh-huh. But also foods yeah. that are light. Foods that are light are dry toast, grapefruit, uh, again, lettuces, salads, greens, etc. So it's a way of thinking that I think simplifies it. Think about the seasons, eat seasonally, but also identify what season are you. And you can restore balance, you can bring balance into your daily meals. By how you eat. By how you eat. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. That is, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. <laughs> and that's what the blog's about. So, <laughs> so the blog is full of recipes, but each time I post a recipe, I try to explain things a little bit more. So if you follow the blog, you know, I, I've got a whole community now that, that follows the blog, and it's oh, so beautiful yeah. to, to see how they respond and how they engage, because I feel like people are, are really grabbing hold of this, mm-hmm. right? And really remembering our grandmothers or our ancestral wisdom through this comprehensive, systematic approach that yeah. we call Ayurveda. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. It's not too different from what you do. <laughs> love that. Absolutely yeah. love that. Yeah. So I'm going to shift a little bit on you. And I, I have a question for you. I'd like to know what drives you. Well, you know, I think that I think the highest and, and most important, most exalted experience of living Uh-huh is is purpose i think that i you know when i have those periods of of silence or let's say a blank period of time mm-hmm. i always come back to that you know what is my purpose um i i wouldn't say that i'm 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 driven with a lot of ambition i wouldn't say that i don't feel that at all so drive is an interesting word to me i but i feel like purpose is what moves me forward you know moves me along this river of life yeah and and I think that, you know, I, I do truly feel that my purpose is to remember oneness, that we are each an integral part of nature and of the cosmos. And I feel a great desire to help people remember that for themselves, because I think it's the thing that helps us overcome darkness, sadness, loss, grief, um, senses of failure mm-hmm. when when we remember that we belong and we belong not just to this world but to one another then we're inspired to make more beautiful this world as robert kennedy once said to make to make more gentle this world to make more beautiful this world yeah. to remember that we are one you know our joy is there 
And that's my purpose. That's my purpose. And I yeah. do that through the blog. I do that through my writing. I do that through my teaching. teaching. But Absolutely. I, I hope I hope I just do that through my everyday just existing. Being. Just being with people, right? Yeah. Just well, being. How we show up in the world. Yeah. I know that about you. So, and that makes perfect <laughs> sense for me. So, Thank you. I'm all about education. And I have to know, is there one book that has been influential for you in this process? Well, you know, when I'm asked that question, my answer is always The Upanishads. What is my favorite book? It's The Upanishads. Now, that's a pretty obscure book for most people. Uh-huh. But it's, it's the collection of the ancient teachings of the sages Oh, wow. uh, of early civilization. Uh-huh. These sages that were gathered around the Himalaya, uh, Himalayan mountains and the, the great river cultures like mm-hmm. the Saraswati, the Ganges, etc., and these are uh, not so much teachings, but you could say musings or contemplations mm-hmm. on on life and existence itself. And they're 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 so poetic and they're so deep and so rich that you can keep coming back to them over and over and over and always get something new and fresh. Uh, I used to live in England, where Radio Four on Sunday afternoons always did something called Desert Island Discs. It's a lot of fun to listen to it, and they would always ask you what records you would take if you're on a desert island. Uh-huh. But the final thing was, what book would you take? And uh-huh. I just think, you know, if you could take the Upanishads, it's many, many, many uh, books within a book, and mm-hmm. so you, you can never tire of it. Uh, but it talks about, you know, what is this world? What is this web of existence? And it helps you understand, again, that interconnectedness of life. Inspiring. Beautiful. Yeah. So, what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Just you know, just get out there and do it. Get 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 your hands dirty. Get into nature. Let nature be your teacher. Let nature be your guide. Remember that you are nature, Mm. and let the nature within you guide you. That will never steer you wrong. It's always going to be your best friend. Mm. That place within you that is that deep inner wisdom that intelligence that is nature that is home and allow yourself to come home to yourself because you're gorgeous you're beautiful you're a miracle and i'm just glad to be alive with with you greg with with james with your team and with with all of your wonderful listeners thank you (laughs) thank you you. (laughs) and I, i do have to tell you you started we started toward the beginning of the of the interview and you said the the nod you know the right. student i have literally asked james james is the ed- the uh, editor here uh, i have and both he and i are just sitting over here yep we're rocking back and forth nodding <laughs> all the stuff you're talking about it's like yeah yeah isn't it yes isn't it great yeah, yeah it's just a big nod it's yeah. one big nod yeah so thank Save you us. so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today laura it's been a treat chatting with you my honor. Thank you. Yeah. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? The, well, my website is lauraplum.com, mm-hmm. L-A-U-R-A-P-L-U-M-B.com. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, my blog is food-alovestory.com. And that's full of recipes for all seasons, for all meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner with snacks and tonics and spices and teas and all kinds of things. So I hope your listeners will reach out and and make a comment or let me know that they've listened. And again, I I just want to thank you so much for the great work you're doing in the world. I'm grateful for you. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Decades ago, I started growing food in my front and backyard, and I realized that my mission in life is to inspire and empower others to grow their own nutrient-dense, healthy, organic food. Because of this, a lot of people have come to me with their gardening questions over the years, and that got me thinking, what if we put together a community that would help budding gardeners blossom? So I finally made the idea a reality with my Urban Farm U member program. Each month, your membership includes three live online events, a monthly class, a chit-chat with an expert, and a monthly coaching session, plus access to the experts on our member page and a significant discount on our signature courses. I'm deeply committed to transforming our global food system, and I do this by empowering you to grow your own food. The Urban Farm Membership Program is a simple way to get going. Please join me in transforming your food system today. To learn more, go to urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. That's urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit denalicanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's denalicanning.com forward slash free.